On IT Visionaries, we talk to many different CIOs, but for this episode, the CIO we're chatting with is different than who you're probably expecting. Today, we're excited to welcome Suzanne DiBianca, the Chief Impact Officer and Executive Vice President of Corporate Relations at Salesforce. Suzanne has been with Salesforce for 20 years and helped the company build up its philanthropic arms, including pioneering the 111 model so many organizations now adopt. In this discussion, Suzanne takes us through her history with the organization and talks about how to build a culture of sustainability. She also explains some of the climate initiatives that Salesforce has been spearheading and why a project like One Trillion Trees is so important right now in this decade of action. Enjoy this episode. This episode of IT Visionaries is part of a special series on sustainability. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Take climate action with a pre-built carbon accounting solution and gain insights into your greenhouse gas emissions. Learn more at salesforce.com slash solutions slash sustainability. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries, and we are joined by special guest. Suzanne, how's it going? Very well. Thank you. How are you doing? You know, it is, uh, it is definitely crazy, uh, crazy times and, um, with everything going on with COVID, but I think, um, it's exciting to talk about technology and it's exciting to talk about the impact, um, that all companies can have. And, uh, yeah, why we're so, so happy to have you on the show. So, um, we're going to get into that and we're going to talk about, uh, your career. So how did you get started in technology in the first place? Yeah, I fell backwards into it, really. I think many of us have um, uh, out of college in a nonprofit, actually, that was doing uh, conflict resolution and mediation in Central and Eastern Europe, of all places, and then went on to management consulting, um, sort of parlaying my conflict management mediation skills, translated into a lot of negotiation with vice presidents over budget. So that got kind of old pretty fast but got really interested in strategy and change management and uh, ended up at a, a firm called Index. We wrote a book called e- uh, Reengineering the Corporation. And our firm was then bought by CSC. CSC at the time, a $9 billion company, and did a fair amount of work with software implementations. I was on the change management side of the house often, but learned a lot about technology sort of in that era. Um, and then also began to kind of think about the, the social impact of groups of people. And I could talk a little bit more about that later, but that's the, that was my first foray into the technology world. And we, I definitely want to get, get into those kind of early days, but flash forward to today, tell me what it means to be the chief impact officer for Salesforce. Yeah, thanks for the question. So I've been with Salesforce uh, since the very beginning, almost uh, 20 years, actually, was my anniversary yesterday. Wow. I, I kind of can't, can't believe how fast the time has gone. Uh, what it means to be a chief impact officer uh, today, for, for many of those years, I built and ran the Salesforce Foundation, uh, which we then trans, uh, translated that into a kind of reseller model, and it became Salesforce.org. And then uh, about three years ago, decided to pivot and uh, work on some other 
aspects for the company. Salesforce at the time was doing, you know, so many things as a business, uh, as a platform for change, which is really our mantra. I kind of looked, I kind of said to Mark at one point, you know, we're doing so much more than philanthropy. We're doing you know, diversity and inclusion and equal pay and environment. There's so many aspects of our business that are aligned to our greater goal of business as a platform for change, but nobody can really talk about that. So I, you know, I'd love to work with you on a sort of bigger strategy for the company, do uh, reporting and, and kind of best practices also for other companies. And so that's one of my remits is the kind of macro umbrella of gathering all the incredible work happening around the company and talking about it, reporting against it, et cetera. Secondly, I sort of said, you know, I'm, we've got a tiny little environmental team that works in marketing um, because they just accidentally ended up there. Climate change is the biggest uh, crisis that humanity has ever faced. And I think we should free those people and do more there. And, and I'd love to lead those efforts. So that's the second part of my remit. Third, uh, you know, we also have a, we've made some big commitments to the White House and others around hiring of veterans. You know, that's a half of somebody's job and buried somewhere in the organization. You know, we can do a lot more around workforce development and reskilling uh, as AI comes on board, which it really has in the last couple of years. So that's a third part of my remit. And then uh, he said, I want you to keep pledge 1% and I can talk a little bit about what that is. And I said, fine. And then lastly, I said, um, he said, well, what do you, you know, what, what do you want to do? That's all the stuff we need. And I, I said, I'll come back to you on that. And I came back about a week later and said, you know, I'm really interested in looking at our ventures model. We're now the uh, second biggest corporate ventures arm uh, on the planet next to Google. Wow. Um, Intel was up, up there on the day. And I, and I said, I'd love to take that venture model and point it towards for-profit social enterprises. So I have an impact investment fund. Our first fund was 50 million, about three quarters of the way done. And we fund entrepreneurs in uh, the areas of education, workforce development, climate solutions, and diversity and inclusion. That's incredible. I mean, what a role, huh? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's a fun job. Well, you know, and you know, not to put too fine of a point on it, but I think for some organizations, they really struggle and of trying to corral these different sort of things uh, into a cohesive, you know, ownership style, and you know, kind of the the, the pin the rose thing. And you're totally right. I mean. As someone who's been following around uh, to VetForce and now Salesforce Military for for years, and as an early um, adopter of the one 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 model, I, I mean, I can tell you, it is, it's so, it's kind of like you know, once you once you make all the dots, it's easy to connect them, sort of a thing. It, it makes sense in retrospect how all of that would be under this chief impact officer role, and because obviously Salesforce being. Um, an innovative technology company that all of this is fueled with technology, but it's it is really cool to see all of those things kind of roll into into one position. It's you truly one of one uh, in in the in the corporate landscape. Yeah, you know, and one thing we've learned because it was sort of an experiment um, is that it's it's actually a great incubation function. So mm. you know, one of the things that I I didn't I was kind of over at the time was managing a big organization. So I sort of said, I don't want a big organization and the company has gotten bigger and I want to make sure we retain this in our culture. So it needs to live in the business units. A lot of this work, 
But what I can do is I can incubate ideas and then sort of send them off. So just as an example of that, the real estate uh, is something that, you know, we've been uh, working a lot on as a company over the last three years. And uh, we're, we're not a owner. We're actually a tenant in most places, but we get to do the retrofit uh, internally. And we often have a lot of leverage with the landlord. Yep. And so green building yep. um, is something that we got very interested in. And we hired, I hired somebody. Uh, we built a whole bunch of playbooks. We now have 80% of our buildings are lead uh, gold or above certified platinum. In most cases, we put a black water system into our tower in San Francisco, which recycles 85% of the water. And uh, then real estate funded, I sort of moved those, those resources and kind of built that capacity within the real estate team. And uh, now that person, she was, a, she was a great athlete. There was a few of them actually, but some have gone into working for real estate and she's now worked on supply chain innovation. So it's been a, it's a good for a big company to have an incubation uh, function, which is not something we intended to design at the time. Yeah, that's super fascinating. We actually just um, we were talking to some of the leaders on on the sustainability cloud side, talking about lead certifications and um, and all of that sort of thing. That you know, in the current day and age, that it's like it really is truly nobody's responsibility in a corporation to make sure that buildings get built sustainably, right? Like there's someone whose job is to like watch the budget of that, but like it has to be a, a top-down leader-driven thing to choose to build your buildings that way or to to influence that. And, and Salesforce is obviously a pioneer there. But, and this, that's just one single slice of shaping how the leaders in your organization can do things. And I would say, you know, that for our audience of CIOs and CTOs and technology leaders that because your voice is constantly expanding with how much technology shapes the future of every organization. You know, if you believe that every com company is going to be a technology company in some form or fashion, you know, in the future, if you're, if you're not already, it takes senior leader buy-in and it takes someone on in the C-suite on the leadership team to speak up and to say, this needs to be a priority. Do you feel like, obviously, you know, Mark Benioff is, is, very much uh, a person for Salesforce. So what, what would be your advice to other folks who might not have that type of, uh, you know, that type of voice or that strength and leadership to have those impacts that we talked about? Well, you know, I sort of inherently believe people want to make change. And given how much we all work, this sort of 24-7 environment, you know, having it be part of their day job is an important avenue for people to feel committed to the company, to feel committed to their team. And you know, I'll just give you a, another example around data centers. Um, and that's now sort of a function within infrastructure. Actually, there's, there's a lot of stuff uh, that's now a function of infrastructure in terms of this work. Because uh, when we started to look at our energy usage and we started to do more about climate, you know, for us, you know, as a software company, so much of that comes from data centers. And again, you know, we don't, like most people, own them in, in most cases. But we realized we had leverage uh, with the data center uh, providers where we were co-located. Um, we had uh, power in our contracting process, whether it was, you know, with AWS or others. And, you know, if we were to try to get our energy usage down, other than just mitigating it through offsets, we would need to take an active role 
in those negotiations and uh, it, within those relationships and frankly with other tenants <laughs> in the data centers. And so that's been um, a really interesting thing to be working on. Now there's a function within infrastructure whose job is um, to be really looking at all the different contracts we have from a kind of an energy usage perspective. And so, um, you know, the other thing that sort of comes through the infrastructure team um, is investing in the offsets where we aren't able to bring it down. So, you know, we work very closely and it's really fun for folks that are, you know, working in, in data centers, their day job to be asked to look at projects in the Amazon um, that are conservation projects and, you know, assess them. We have like teams of people that help us sort of define our, you know, what are the right projects that we should be investing in. So, you know, I have a renewable energy person on my team who's an expert in this area and he could just go off and do it on his own. But we know that it, it people like to sort of connect the dots from their day job to sort of a bigger social mission. So it's, it's been great to partner with infrastructure in that way. Well, and, and I want to talk about the, the difference between, you know, where you sit now and, and what you built with, with Salesforce.org, because I think it's a critical component to all of this of like why you were very purposeful in the way that you did certain things. So, and I wanted to go back in time to, you know, the early days of you starting Salesforce.org and then, you know, over the next significant amount of time you had become, you know, philanthropy is one of the top 50 women in philanthropy, um, all sorts of, you know, different accolades and all this stuff, and then kind of made this decision uh, to move into this type of, you know, chief impact officer role. You know, what was it like building something that was truly cutting edge in, in the world of philanthropy? You know, I'll say that everything is guided by our company's values, including how we built philanthropy. So the, the values that we hold as a company are, you know, there's nothing more important than trust um, with our customers and with our employees and with our, all of our stakeholders. Customer success, you know, we are not successful if our customers aren't successful. Um, innovation, you know, we need to continue to stay out in front, listening to our, our customers and what's happening in the world um, to make informed, smart decisions that will drive growth and equality, which is a, is a value we actually added about five years ago, um, but an incredible sort of guiding light for us. So if I think about those four values and how we built the foundation, it's sort of a combination of a democratic approach and a strategic approach. And so what I mean by that is, you know, instead of having a sort of foundation that just sort of sat off to the side and did its own thing in a room, we were really intentional early on about bringing people and their ideas into the fold so that we could create broad ownership for it. Uh, I've had the privilege of sitting on the executive team, you know, for the whole uh, time of my career at Salesforce. And, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, match and gift programs or, you know, we have all these very cool grants programs for people that volunteer to try to, you know, get to that principle for us. You know, we try to do our best to kind of empower local leaders to make the impact that is meaningful in, in their part of the organization. So, so, you know, democratic is super important. Strategic is also super important for us as we grew up 
and realized there were some things for our company like education um, and workforce development, you know, are were really sort of key strategic areas that we began to double down in with the, with the school district. It has a democratic process inside of it in which, you know, every executive is uh, uh, partnered with the school principal. And we have that on our business plans and we rally our organizations to support local schools. So it, you know, remains democratic, but it's got now a good strategic sort of theory of change on top of it. And just give you one quick example, also because I know um, the audience is a lot of, you know, CIOs and CTOs, as you said, is, you know, because I have the privilege of sitting on the executive team and I'm listening to business problems. One year, many years ago, we were had a big problem with IT turnover. Still a problem for many companies, um, but just we're cranking through IT support staff. And our retention rates were low. We were spending more time training people than they were on the job, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, you were kind of bleeding from it a little as we were trying to shore that part of our organization up. And I, I had come across a program called Year Up. Um, Y-E-A-R up, if people don't know about it, it's incredible. And they were training young people, 18 to 25, in technology support skills. And uh, they wanted to come to San Francisco. And I asked our CIO at the time, you know, had she heard of this organization, would she be interested? And she said, I'll take 35. (laughs) And I said, well, wait, they haven't even started training. And I think they're only 17 in the first cohort. But because she understood the values of Salesforce because she understood the value of giving people an opportunity where they might not have otherwise had one. She instinctually knew that loyalty and retention would go up dramatically with this population with the right kind of support. So, you know, we were able, we still have many, many Europe students. They now train in many other areas, not just IT support. That's where they started, but it was, but they still do that. And they are, on average, we convert about 80% of them to full-time employees after their first six-month internship. And they tend to stay uh, 60 to um, over 100% longer than people that are coming in from outside that program. So we're really able to fix a business problem through uh, an effort that you know, provide, it also, by the way, provided a lot of diversity in our company, which was very important. So, so that's just an example and a practical one that if you don't have your, you know, interns in your shop, that's a big mess. These are incredible people. Um, their loyalty is just unbelievable and they, they get promoted even at a faster rate. You, you jumped on my question because I had that ready. Uh, I was going to ask you about Europe. So I actually, we talked about them on the show in the past and I've been to, a handful of, of kind of the things that they've done because it is such an amazing program. And it's, it's an example that we talk about with, with CIOs and technology leaders of ways. And also, you know, with, with, um, with programs like VetForce, which you've done as well, that these are really like truly smart, thoughtful, fascinating, yeah. Fascinating, like, you know, ways to, to find this talent pool that, in a lot of ways, just, and it's not like a specific talent pool doesn't have access to these resources. It's that these resources are at the cutting edge. You can't go to school for them. I mean, you couldn't, and the need is so vast that uh, it truly is like a business, uh, a way of looking at your business and saying like, Hey, we could grow this um, 
population of whether it's Salesforce developers or, um, or, you know, like technical talent or whatever it is. Yeah. Europe is a great organization. I love that. But that is truly like, that is what d- differentiates, you know, the best CIOs and technology leaders is their ability to find those type of talent pools and, you know, build the capacity in house. It's just too expensive to find it otherwise. Um, you're just competing yeah. in a zero sum game. And you and, and your attrition yeah. tends to be very high otherwise. Yeah, I think that, you know, the veteran population is another just hugely untapped pool. Um, you know, you've got people coming out of the military that have leadership skills, operational skills, tactical ability to, you know, just get things done in a really process-oriented way, teamwork skills. And all of those are just very hard to translate um, into the business context for them when they come out of the military. And so, you know, and, and we are also sort of focused on the enlisted. There's a lot of great programs for officers and, and easier to translate those to job skills. But I'll just say our military talent and our company is, is just phenomenal. And this gap in being able to explain, you know, who they are, what they've learned, what they can do into sort of business skills is, um, it's a real shame. And uh, I just think that people should be looking at that, those programs, hiring our heroes is a great one. Uh, Shift is another one, you know, just do a fantastic job at um, making sure people are kind of ready to work. Well, and I think, you know, and as, as a former military officer, I can tell you, we military officers don't need any help, uh, finding jobs. <laughs> um, maybe, I yeah. mean, well, I guess every, but every human needs help finding jobs, but, yeah. but, uh, we don't need you know, extra resources. There's usually enough out there, but translating skills is hard for anyone, anyone who's trying to like break into tech in any way. Um, you know, like I, what I grew up with no tech background, like I didn't, there wasn't, you know, my parents weren't, my mom was a nurse, my, you know, my, um, my dad was a bunch of things like we, there was no tech and it's like, well, you grew up in Beria and it's like, well, you know, that's, it's, that doesn't really mean necessarily that much. And there's a lot of people out there that, that have similar sort of things. And I think, you know, to what you're saying is it's about building, building a sustainable pipeline of talent that expands the pie for everyone. You know, I use the term sustainable there, you know, on purpose to say like, you can build talent pools like this as a technology leader that pay huge dividends for you. And, you know, it seems like everything in your role is about building, you know, a culture of sustainability, about increasing the pie, about, you know, doing these sort of things that will have multi-year impact. Like, how do you build a, a culture of sustainability? So sustainability with the big ass, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, kind of socially, you know, we think about that as it relates to the SDGs, right? This is sustainable development goals. I think, um, if, is that how I'm, am I interpreting it right? Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I meant in both ways, like this, the small S and the big S of like forward-looking programs that build a more sustainable world. And I think that it's, it's mm. like, yeah. it's systemic in it's, you know, whether it's a talent pool or whether it's um, climate change. It still is the kind of same DNA, but the sustainable goals are are, are obviously more of like a, a hard a hard thing. Yeah, or it's just all it is is a framework. I mean, I actually love them because they provide a little bit of focus. Mm. But but what I'll say just to sort of the, the macro question overall is, it's all about empowerment. It's all about asking the CIO what they're committed to. It's all about 
talking to leaders and frontline workers and sort of engaging them where they are. And, you know, again, like just to use another example is, you know, way back in the day at Salesforce, we had a new HR leader in and I kind of sat down and she said, wow, this company has a foundation and you're only like 500 people or something. And I said, yeah, but what I want to know is, you know, what do you care about and, and how in, you know, HR, can we help you sort of manifest it like a bigger goal for what you're trying to do for the company? And at the time they were trying to rebuild, she was really trying, she's like, well, we have a terrible onboarding process, right? Like, we bring in employees and give them a computer and say, go. So I'm looking to reinvent the onboarding process. And I sort of said, that's awesome. Um, here's what we do. And she said, well, versus me saying it, I kind of teed it, kind of lobbed it over to her. So she said it in her own words. She said, well, what if we made volunteering part of our new hire orientation? And I was like, that's a great idea. Um, let's do it. And still now, today, we're 50,000 people. Uh, when you start with Salesforce, you get your computer, now you get the company messaging, now you go through a bunch of product training, and you will go out and work in your community um, for a half day, or you do something virtually, like at the world we're in now. But we we thought, you know, gosh, what a great way to sort of put our values into play, so that every employee that starts at Salesforce knows that, you know, we're interested in walking the walk, making this a part of your job. And so that was awesome, but it was her idea, not mine. And that made all the difference. I, love I mean, that. I kind of had the idea, but like, I didn't, I, I kind of lobbed the right questions, I guess is the way that I'd frame it. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's a really smart way and a tactical way that leaders can do that is just build it right into onboarding. Like the second you join this organization, you're going to be thinking about it. How do you look at like building goals for the types of sustainability initiatives that you have? Yeah, so Salesforce has a uh, business planning process, which we call the V2MOM. And it stands for vision, you know, who, who are you? What, what do you want to be in the world? Values, you know, what do you believe? What, what is driving you? The M, first M is methods. So like, what are you going to do? to get there, obstacles, what might get in your way. And then the final M is metrics. Uh, how do you know that you got there? So we use this tool rigorously in our organization, the V2Mom. And our social impact goals are in Mark Benioff's company-wide V2Mom. And it trickles down to all places in the organization as a result. So I have a, a method that I share with a whole bunch of other people because it's not just about me. And I will partner with my uh, people all over the business, real estate. I use them as an example, technology. I use them as an example, HR. And we say, what are the metrics this year? I like own them in partnership with them. And then we drive results that way. So, you know, there was a couple years ago, we said, we want to be a net zero company. We want to leave no impact. There's a whole bunch of things we need to do around energy and emissions reductions and with our suppliers also. Um, but, you know, that was a, we also needed to then also invest into some carbon offset programs. So we needed to build that into the long range financial plan for the company. But we built all those metrics into our sort of macro V2 moms so that we were able to hold ourselves accountable at the end of the year that, you know, we could get there. 
Yeah, it's essentially like nested priorities within so that, you know, from the CEO down to the rest of the employees and like back up the chain, you can have, you know, nested stated priorities that are measurable um, and actionable, yeah. right? You know, I, I'm curious, like, how do you think of when you're setting those type of goals as an organization? And obviously, you know, you're one of the Salesforce, one of the premier leaders. Um, and I think it feels potentially tough for other organizations who maybe, you know, feel like they're not doing enough and don't have those type of things. Like, what would you kind of recommend to other companies that feel like they're not doing enough or they don't know where to set their goals in order to meet certain sustainability like data points or things like that. Like, I'm curious, well, what's some best practices there? Yeah, well, that kind of brings me to, it brings me to Pledge 1%. Um, so if you go to pledge1percent.org, uh, there's 10,000 companies who have sort of taken the pledge. And this is what we, if I just back up for a second, you know, after we started doing this work for a while, we, I kind of went to Mark and I, I said, here's what I'm noticing. The best practices are people give product, right? They give their people in terms of altruism, and, and they give cash, right? Or equity if you're a startup, right? Those are the three levers you can pull. Um, and he said, well, that's one, one, one. And I, I, he's like the master sort of branding guy. And because we had just given 1% of our equity, our pre-IPO equity. And then we said, well, what's the math on 1% of paid time off? Uh, what's the math on, you know, 1% of our product? And so um, you know, these are kind of minimum bars, um, but it's how we formulated it. And then if you fast forward 10, 15 years and this next wave of tech IPOs with Twilio and Okta and you name it, and there'd been a lot of Zora. I mean, there's, there's so many companies um, that actually then were also led by ex-Salesforce people who really understood this in their DNA and um, said, well, how do I do the equity set aside? How do I do that? practices. And it became sort of a night job. Then, then the night job became so overwhelming. Um, and, a, and Atlassian kind of came and said, you know, I, I had helped them pre-IPO. And they said, what if we form this as an institution uh, together and, you know, enable other companies, startups or big companies to have best practices and playbooks. So together, Atlassian and Salesforce stood up an organization, it's actually not a separate 501c3, it's, it's run under a group called Tides, but it is funded by us and now many of those other companies I just mentioned, and they run playbooks. How do you do the equity set aside? What are best practices for volunteerism? How do you get your products out in, into the world at reduced costs and high value? And so um, Pledge 1% is a, is a great resource um, because it gives you access points at a whole bunch of different areas. and. So that's just one thing. And then I guess the last thing I would say on that is, you know, sometimes it's harder to move mountains in big companies if you're just in one division, right? So the, the question is, what's the difference you can make in your division, whatever, regardless of what the company is doing? You know, so if you're in IT or infrastructure, what can you be doing that matters to your people? And, you know, you ask your people, right? Like, is it, uh, you know, mentoring on, in schools on computer science? If you have a bunch of developers on your team, you know, is it, you know, helping be a circuit rider for local nonprofits? If you've got a lot, you know, IT support and, you know, giving them 20% time to line up with a couple nonprofits. Like, I think you just have to think about, you know, where can you move the macro needle? Can you um, via various access points on the one, one, one? 
And if it feels daunting and overwhelming, where can you lead change from where you sit? Yeah, it's funny. So one of the first things that I did when I started my company was was join 111 for that exact reason of just like being in the Salesforce ecosystem and having known about it for a while. Because if you just build it in from the very beginning, then it's like it's like working out, right? If you know that you're going to work out, you know, for for 30 minutes every single day, it's not a question of if you're going to work out, it's what you're going to do when you work out. And it's the same thing with like developing that sort of uh, why one 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 is such a brilliant framework because you're saying, well, we're already part of this, so now it's just a question of how do we do the thing that we do, and I think that it's a really helpful framework that it's like if your entire company isn't on board with this yet, your team could potentially, you know, start thinking about this and start putting that thing in, and if you're looking for partners or ways to do that, you know, things like Europe that are out there or things like 1 million or 1 trillion trees that Salesforce is spearheading. Like there's all sorts of things that other people are already spearheading that you could kind of fall in line on. And that's an exciting part for, for leaders. Yeah, that's right. And I, can I talk about a trillion trees? Yeah, please. Because um, I, I was really wanting to do that I, and, and what that is and why I think it's important. So we've just entered, you know, 2020, the decade of action on climate. We have 10 years, really. We this is the the reason this issue is so important is multifaceted, but it's got a it's got a time clock against it. And so, you know, currently we're in a health crisis, an economic crisis, and a climate crisis. It feels sort of overwhelming. Um, but what we learned was, and you had sustainability cloud uh, on a previous. Uh, podcast, which is amazing. That was our best attempt at taking our product and say, how do we help people drive emissions down? You have, we have to drive emissions down. So this is a carbon calculator. It's took us, you know, from a six month time period to six weeks to get the data. So that was sort of what we did on emissions reduction, but what's happening in the environmental community, um, more in the global community, environmental otherwise is no, unfortunately, um, many, most countries are not on uh, target to hit the Paris agreements of a 1.5 degree world. And we don't have a lot of time. And in some countries, we don't have a lot of legislative ability to, to, to make change yep. in the time frame that we need. So, so what's happening is people are in the leaders in this field, like the Paul Hawkins of the world and people have been working on this for decades. And even, you know, the, the scientists are sort of saying, well, we got to get this stuff out of the air. Right, so it's a yes and, you can't uncouple them. Um, but we've got to both focus on emissions reduction, but now in a huge way on sequestration. So we came back to like, so what is the, you know, the best tools? There's, you know, there's geoengineering, there's big fans, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening that, that is interesting and we're tracking um, in various areas. But frankly, the three biggest carbon sinks are oceans, forests, and agriculture. Oceans are taking way too much of it right now, which is why you're seeing coral bleaching and rising temperatures and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, agriculture, super important. Soils, um, also trickier to change farming practices, dealing with individual landholders and indigenous communities and a number, but also really important. But trees, you still have the land use rights and in indigenous communities. It, what we found is that issue is, uh, so if we plant a trillion trees, there's an incredible scientist named Tom Crowther who's actually mapped out where all these trees can go. And if we can conserve, I have to say that, and restore. So it's both the conservation of trees, that there's 18 um, trees a second that are coming down 
today. So you can't not talk about conservation, but it's conserving and restoring a trillion trees within the decade could take as much as 25% of the carbon out of the atmosphere. And what we love about it is you can engage anyone, right? You can get it to a child, you can engage an older person, you can engage a team, you can engage a family, you can engage, um, like it's sort of completely biased as it relates to like age, race, anything. And it's also totally non nonpartisan. It's something that is really, you know, who doesn't like a tree? Um, it's, it sort of seems to be a, one of the very few in this country anyway, kind of nonpartisan issues um, that you can rally people around. So, you know, we've stood up this effort. We've committed to putting 100 million trees in the ground over a decade. I have no idea how we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, we're starting to build out some plans for scale, which is exciting. And we will be pivoting some of our uh, offset programs to natural-based solutions part of the way to get us part of the way there. But, you know, if every company and every individual could really rally to this goal, we could make a huge impact in this decade. And I love the fact that corporate America can lead this type of initiative, right? Like that's, and that's why it's so important to think about the framework of things like 111 and, and what is your strategy around impact. And it's not just your nonprofit impact, it's your just impact in general. Um, and how can you leverage what you do really well to be able to have an impact like this. And I think, um, I love the fact that, you know, you chose, it's so pragmatic to say like, who doesn't, who doesn't want more trees, right? Like there's, I can, if we you know, pull 100 people, it's like a hundred people should say yes. Right. So let's, let's focus yeah. on this. What have you seen so far from the, the impact and, and even kind of a, from a broader perspective, like how are you interacting with, you know, corporate partners and developing partnerships with people to multiply that impact uh, to get people on board? Yeah, well, certainly there's a lot of people way in front of it, out in front of this than we are. So right now we're learning a lot from them. These are people like MasterCard, who has an incredible uh, program in this area. Anheuser-Busch um, has been doing this for years. Dow Chemical um, is another one I, I never would have thought of um, that has been folks. So we've been partnering with them simply like right now, like on a, in a learning basis. And how can we do more together? And, you know, Salesforce has an incredible ecosystem of partners and, uh, and we have 400 and growing portfolio companies. So, so the, so, you know, we've been thinking about how to activate our ecosystem in addition to sort of what we can do directly. So, you know, one thing we did directly was for our, um, you know, every, we do these offsites, these sort of executive offsites. And so we planted 10 trees on behalf of everybody who showed up at the offsite and, you know, that came out of the events budget. And so we've been looking at like, but we usually do something for people, but you know, often it's like a notebook or swag or something. So we've kind of pivoted to like making it a part of our operations. And I've been working with different groups in the company. And then as we think about our, you know, ecosystem, um, one of our ventures companies and partners, um, technology partners is SurveyMonkey. And DocuSign is another great example of this. So uh, DocuSign was actually first at it because I, I said to their CEO, Dan, who's a friend of mine, Dan, I was like, you know, you're saving a, on average a third of the Amazon rainforest just by being in the world. <laughs> you know, you should be celebrating that. There's so much more you can do. And he's sort of like, wow, I never thought about it. And so DocuSign has a, a big pledge around um, trees and the environment now. And 
and, and they were a portfolio company. And SurveyMonkey was the other more recent example I was going to use where I also know their CEO and some of their executives. And Sir said, you know, they, they have a product called um, Usability, I think it is. And it's a, they're able to, every time you take a survey through this one product line of theirs, they'll plant a tree on your behalf to say thank you for sort of taking a survey. And they were, uh, you know, they have monkey in their name. I mean, that's very like, you know, also uh, nature related, if you will. So we're kind of starting with the low hanging fruit, like uh, at some level to people whose businesses are perfectly teed up to kind of line to this issue, but looking at ways to kind of at scale, begin to kind of leverage both our existing customer base and corporate partners, but also our ecosystem. Well, I'm just super excited to follow along with that because I just, it's, it's such an awesome initiative and hopefully, uh, hopefully our IT visionaries listeners can, uh, can, can tap in, by the way, that's, uh, one T.org, correct for the, uh, that's right. Yeah. So and it's actually not our initiative. We, we, um, our, our CEO, you know, Mark sort of had a, had, come across the Crowther research, which is very close with Al Gore, um, has some influence in the White House. And so, you know, and is a trustee at the World Economic Forum. So as we were thinking about this, we sort of thought this cannot be a Salesforce initiative. This is way more bigger than Salesforce. So it's actually an initiative through WEF. Um, we funded it um, to sort of stand it up and then we made a commitment, but now it's like, come everyone. So it's, uh, it's run by WEF, the World Economic Forum, in partnership with the UN's EP uh, Decade of Action, which started this year. So it's an awesome multi-stakeholder group. And, and a lot of the big NGOs, I mean, many of them had these initiatives in play anyway, like World Wildlife Fund is an example, and there's others. The, they just didn't, they weren't coordinated, um, nor did they have the kind of wind in their sails that they needed to really drive it forward. So it's actually not a net new effort. It's an effort to sort of get behind the existing leaders in this space and, and power it forward. So yeah, one t.org, you can just sign up there. You can learn more there, et cetera. Last question before, uh, before we get you out of here, you busy and you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, uh, I want to know, you know, you, you mentioned that we're kind of in the middle of this three-tiered crisis, the economic crisis, a healthcare crisis, and, and a climate crisis. I'm just curious, like as a leader, you know, what are you doing? Um, what is Salesforce doing to help, you know, this, uh, this pandemic that we're dealing with? Like, what are some of the ways that, that you think about leading during a crisis? Well, you know, we went back to the v 2 process and we said, what's most important? What is our vision for how we're going to deal with COVID? What are our values? <laughs> what are our, what are we going to do? So we actually went through a structured process and an executive team to build out a COVID v 2 mom. And it was really enlightening. And, I, and, and one of the first things that is on there is over communication and employee well-being, right? So we are very focused on making sure our employees feel safe. We just took a 90 day no layoff pledge. Uh, they're empowered to work from home, but you know, mental health is huge and people are feeling isolated and frustrated. And um, so we've spun up this mental health series that we do every day. And it's sometimes meditation or sometimes it's comedy. We had Trevor Noah on the other day and um, we're going to make this available to the public soon. But, you know, this notion of, you know, look after our employees and over communicate has, is, a, is our most important priority on our methods. Um, and then we looked at how do we bring our products 
to this? How can we make a difference with our product suites? We launched something called Salesforce Cares, which includes a healthcare product we have and a whole bunch of other small business um, tools to really support our customers as they're going through this. Hospitals, but you know, much more broadly than that. You know, there's a there's an incredible organization in France uh, that's a laundry service company, and they were able to build an app on Heroku with some pro bono support from our team that actually cleans laundry of first responders uh, for 50 hospitals in France. And so, you know, we just, you know, customers like reaching out, you know, because customers are the second most important value for our company, coming back to our guiding principles, you know, we, we sort of ask, what do you need? What are you worried about? How can we help you? Um, and then it kind of backed us into like really listening deeply to our employees and our customers, this, this impact V2 mom on COVID. And as an executive team, we look at it every week and we say, how are we doing? Uh, what do we need to do more of? Uh, how are people feeling? We take, you know, employee pulse surveys every day. So it's a lot. Um, but I think there are some beautiful silver linings as a result. I mean, I was just looking at our emissions numbers for February and March. And let's just say they're like, they're flatlined now. Um, you know, the, the planet can kind of breathe again for a minute. People are coming together to help each other. Um, teams are collaborating in ways we've never seen before. So, you know, it's hard on everyone's psyche, but we just tried to take it in a really structured way that was really aligned to our values and most importantly, important to our employees and our customers and all of our stakeholders. Suzanne, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. Any final thoughts? Anything uh, that our, our listeners should check out? I think so. I think we got them all out there. It's been a um, total privilege for me to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, uh, I mean, I feel like we could have gone uh, another couple hours on on a lot of the cool stuff that, that you're working on. So um, good luck. We'll, uh, we'll be following along. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Take climate action with a pre-built carbon accounting solution and gain insights into your greenhouse gas emissions. Learn more at salesforce.com slash solutions slash sustainability.